and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, your e-commerce advertising specialists. Today we're here with Kylie from GF Oats. Kylie is the founding director of GF Oats Australia, delivering quality foods for people with special dietary requirements and who seek healthy, nutritious alternatives. GF Oats Australia is the largest importer of uncontaminated oats, now selling over 100 tonnes a year, and they're about to introduce the market to Aussie GF Oats. She's overcome a lot of challenges over the years, so let's get into it. Welcome to episode 15. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Today, we are here with Kylie from GF Oats. Welcome, Kylie. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So tell everyone how GF Oats started. So GF Oats stands for Gloriously Free Oats. Uh, I was in the food industry or have been for about 20 years now. So my family are gluten-free and multiple food intolerances. I had a flour product on the market and I'd just become aware that uh, the USA had certified a brand of oats as gluten-free. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting And one of my drivers, I guess, in my business is my why, is is leaving a legacy. And I'm a farmer's daughter and I just went, wow, if I don't bring this in, somebody will. So why not me? So I reached out to the company to cut a long story short and I bought one, I, I imported basically one pallet into Australia at the end of 2009. Lovely. And tell everyone what happened when you bought that pallet into Australia. <laughs> so the uh, I, it had barely hit the wharf in Brisbane because I'm in uh, Queensland and we the gluten-free heavy hitters had called me up because I was going to take Australia by storm. I was going to make a big, you know, blast into the market with this brand new certified gluten-free oats and uh, at a food show that was in Brisbane and they said, you cannot bring that oats here to this gluten-free expo. There is a subclause in the labelling laws here in Australia that do not allow any oats to be called gluten-free. And I went, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I did not know that. So this pack, this product was packaged in the American-style packaging. Fortunately, I had a big following online. I was one of the first to sort of have a, uh, an online website and was selling my other flour mixes through that. It took me about 12 months to sell that product and have a think about what I was going to do. Mm. People were really, really keen for it. So in moving forward, uh, once again, you know, we decided do we give up or do we keep going? And it was just such a beautiful product. And having been in the gluten-free industry for a long time, knowing that consumers really were accessing uh, GMO corn, soy, and there was a lot of processed sugar in the foods that they were eating, Mm -hmm. that this was going to really cause a problem for them down the track. And this 
particular ingredient would really be a really nice alternative for people. So we sort of started down the path of, okay, let's bring it in bulk. Let's start playing around with some labelling. How are we going to communicate this to our customers and how are we going to get through Queensland Health, basically? (laughs) A lot of fun of navigating complex legislation, but you've been quite successful in doing that. Yes, well, we we played around with the packaging labelling for a while. Uh, no, none of the buyers or distributors would have a bar of any of it. So for the first few years, it was really online. Some uh, local health food shops would take the product. So we were really, you know, I I knew when I took it on that it was going to be a slow burn, like you, you know, buy a block of land up at Woodgate and you wait 20 years for everybody to realise Woodgate's a pretty place, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden the, the, the land value goes up. So I did realise that it was going to be a slow burn. I was doing other things too, you know, so I just let I let this grow and I just I just kept taking the next step forward. My my problem was that was me because I keep I keep pushing the boundaries so I'd you know put in some or some stuff on the packaging and I'd just go out and I'd test the market and see what pushback I'd get and this has probably landed me in Queensland Health three times <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, not so good. Don't do that. I don't recommend that for <laughs> not anyone. Not recommending to do that. <laughs> but you no, know. it's it's not a great thing to do. <laughs> no, totally understand. So obviously you've faced a lot of those challenges. From a personal perspective, that must be really hard. How have you kind of persevered through, you know, you, know, you had this great business idea, you imported all this stock, you couldn't sell it. You know, then you get land yourself in the office of Queensland Health multiple times. Like that's a really challenging thing. Like a lot of people would just throw in the towel and give up. What kind of you have you had to do to kind of push through that to get to where you are today? Well, it's one of those things, and and one of the topics or things we were talking have talked about since I've known you is that we, you know, and with everything that's going on in the world today. We, we hear this word pivot, which I sort of roll my eyes out because if you are actively engaged in your business, you are pivoting all the time. And we found that after a little while, the labels that we had on our packaging, we, we'd started to, things had started to settle down. We weren't getting any resistance. I had what I call a shower moment. So everybody might have their place that they reflect or they think about life. Mine happens to be in the shower. So (laughs) I had this moment and I came out to Gary and I said, oh, my God, what about we call this product gloriously free? So it's free from the gluten found in wheat, rye and barley and we'll call it GFOs. So I reached out to my uh, packaging design and brand manager and I said, this is what I'm thinking, can we come up with a logo? So the logo that you see on our packaging today, GF Oats, has really been a challenge for, <laughs> for people in the industry 
but I haven't been at, I've got a lot of pushback on it, but I'm not breaking any laws because essentially I am using the term GF to knowing that that also is an acronym in my industry for gluten-free, but my product is labelled gloriously free. So it was a way that I could really reach out to my consumers. Now, that was a huge pivot in our business. So once we had that laid down around 2014, 15, I started to, I registered that logo and didn't get any pushback. And once you register that logo, you're pretty much right to go forward. And we, the packaging that you see today, we, we really drilled down into who our customer was, who would pay for this product, who really needs it. Uh, and that's where we came up with, uh, look, our, our oats are the most expensive oats in the country, but our consumer is really passionate about health and what they put in their bodies and um, and making sure that the consumer and, and they're making sure that the products that they're eating are going to be good for them and they are what they say they are. So we also came up with the slogan, the oats you could trust. So these were the real things that in 2016, I guess, took started the momentum of the business started to take off. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, so I just think it's very clever how you've come up with that. Like it's obviously such a big obstacle and I think those shower moments are just accurate. I think we all have them. I was at a conference the other day and they said that it's those moments when you're not doing anything that your brain yes. has a chance to actually think about things. So you need yes. to give yourself moments to not do anything. And for most of us that is in the shower or going for a walk or those sorts of things. So that's very clever. I like it. Yeah, well, I think it's giving yourself those moments, Dana, of, um, you know, what what do I need to ask? What do I need to do next? Like, and then giving yourself that space and time for the answer to come because we get caught on the rat, rat race, you know, on that total spinning wheel and we don't listen to the messages or the great ideas that come in. So we need to give ourselves time to do that. 100%. I think we're mm. too stuck being busy all mm. the time and not enough yeah. time kind of creating and thinking so that you can make those pivots, you can make those sure. changes, and you can make yeah. sure that your business is what you want it to be in the first place. Um, yeah, I've spoken absolutely. to so many people that have just got so busy running businesses that three, four, five years down the track they just quit because it's not actually what they wanted in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> it's important you've got that time to check that you are on the right track for you, let alone on the right track for your business. Yeah. Uh, so obviously starting a food-based business is very different to starting a, a fashion business or a beauty business. Do you have any tips or words of advice for those wanting to start in the food space? Oh, well, uh, read the food labelling laws in your <laughs> sector. That's that's a great number one tip. <laughs> so Before you bring in don't, stuff, yeah, yeah, don't, don't go in blind. Uh, look, when I look back, some of the things that I didn't do that I wish I did do was more of that market research. So uh, really drilling down and we do, we hear it a lot almost to the point that we we shut our ears and go, oh, I know I should be doing it, but I don't want to do it. You know, so we need to drill down and find out who our customer is and what 
messaging do we need to put on packaging specifically that communicates and how does your packaging feel how does it look so if you for those who are listening if you look at uh, our brand GFOats Australia you will see the packet is shiny it is it, it will pop out in our sector so if you if you go to the oat sector a lot of people work on uh, brown colours and, and natural colours and earthy colours. And we went the total opposite. We went blue. Blue <laughs> is our brand. We're going to stick out. So, if, so uh, you know, um, my mum is the greatest advocate I have and she's always taking pictures of where my product sits in the local RGA. <laughs> and it's always, and I love it, I love it too much, I'm telling you, but it, it shows me how... Um, our brand really pops out because, you know, we can't control as food producers, our product goes out and, and, and I guess clothing's the same as well. You know, you can't control where the person um, puts that product at the other end on a shelf or on a rack, wherever it is. So how do I stand out? (laughs) How do I stand out amongst everyone else? So all drilling right down to the the way your packaging looks, how it competes against other brands, how high it is, Dana. So one of the things we found out doing some market research in Sydney was that our brand was getting stuck on the bottom shelf because the packet was too high. (laughs) So to sit ourselves in the middle of where we wanted it to be at eye level we just had to, when we were redesigning that package that you see now that we sell, it just had to be down uh, a shorter about an inch and and we so we made it a bit fatter. We took on a brand new style of packaging at the time in 2016, which was the box bottom bag. So that meant the packet sat up well. So the coffee bags we had were a bit like dominoes. They just, if one person bumped them, the whole lot on the shelf fell over. So they shall And they the might, they will, that's right, and they might be like that for a day or more before somebody in the shop realised that, oh, the GFOats brand is all flat on its back. Nobody would even know it was there. Let's stick that baby down the bottom so that doesn't annoy us anymore because they they don't care about your brand. No one cares about your brand like you do. Yeah. No, that's it's just something that you wouldn't even think about. No. In that it's got to be a certain dimension and it's got to be able to stand up on a shelf. Like those sorts of things are things that could easily get missed, as they did, um, and then you end up on the bottom of the shelf, you know, falling over yeah. and no one can even that's, see it. That's right, yep. Um, so something we like to ask is how did you get kind of your first customers and how is that marketing different to how you get your customers now? So I started business in uh, the good old days, let's say, <laughs> no social media. So these days I see brands take off really quickly because they've got we've got such wonderful platforms today to be able to share what we have to offer. So back then in, uh, well, I started my flower business, say, in 2000, which is similar customer to to what I have today. So gluten-free, dairy-free, 
Uh, and we corn free, soy free. So I, I don't use any of those ingredients. Uh, when when we started, we were tapping into the gluten free community, which was really the celiacs. So I was able to realise that they have a problem with um, oats. So one in a hundred celiacs actually may react to uncontaminated oats so they are a group that do need to be careful so I had to basically when I put the when I put my oats on um, the website I was familiar with what the problems were because the family that we sourced this product from was celiac so we already knew some of the challenges that might be faced there um we started going out to markets and food shows and and really just going out to consumers. So uh, word of mouth was a big one for us. Uh, so that was a really great way that people would learn about us. I also learned a lot about in the early days about email marketing because that was really the only form of communication that we had to our customers. So I uh, used to do a lot of recipes. I had made my own recipe books. They became, well, we weren't using that word now, but lead magnets basically. So I was stumbling across that and I used recipes. So if you sign up to my database, I'll send you a recipe every week. So that was sort of, you know, your your customers were really hard won back then. I find that it's much easier to find your target market and uh, and to find customers these days than it used to be. Yeah, awesome. So how do you get your customers now? What are some of your more successful, I suppose, marketing strategies that you use? So my the best one that I used and, and in food, everyone loves recipes. So we made ebooks. So first of all, my 52 ways or 50 ways with GFO, sorry, was is our main lead magnet. So when we give away those recipes, we don't charge for them. Uh, we just collate them into an ebook, pop them on the website. We use them in Facebook campaigns. One we used about two years ago, the, the 50 Ways with GFOs, that was uh, we, I think, had far, 450 downloads of that particular uh, ebook in that campaign. So when that happened, I just went, oh, so ebooks are really the way to go. So we started to put together uh, lunchbox ones and uh, winter warmers ones and we've got more ebooks along the way that we've got planned so one of the things that we started noticing too was that um, influencers started using our product tagging us and sharing their recipes and we were doing nothing with them <laughs> we, except for liking them and going oh wow that's really great and then I went wow, we should be reaching out to these people and asking them if we could use our recipes. So in a world full of very full inboxes, we decided to put a second newsletter in every week. (laughs) So (laughs) as you do, but it's been really successful. So what we call it is Kylie's Kitchen Pick of the Week. Because simultaneously I started to um, go online live and was doing 
Kylie's Kitchen recipe tips, so showing people how to make things live on Facebook. So we decided to put a newsletter in. So we have an extra uh, group uh, or category in our emails whereby people would subscribe to the Kylie's Kitchen newsletter. So every week we send a recipe. We're not trying to sell people anything. We don't have a special deal attached to it. All that newsletter is is the recipe of the week. That's it. Which is really clever marketing because if they want the recipe and they are on your list, they like the customers, they're going to need the oats to make the recipe. It's genius. That's that's (laughs) exactly right. But I know we even have people on that list who aren't necessarily our customers who just love oats. And I'm okay with that because, you know, I think that one of the things we like to do is because our product is so expensive and for other people who have got products that are expensive in that category there's nothing wrong with being expensive but what can you give people for free that's of enormous value to them and giving back so we looked at uh, the recipes was one I go I just love giving back the recipes and we bundle them now we into different categories like breakfast ones and vegan ebooks and things like that so uh, we've got a smoothie come, one coming out for spring. So so this is all free, um, I guess, material that we have just been able to collate. It's a win-win for the people, for the influencers, because we cross-reference, of course, and promote their handles and, and websites and all that sort of thing to our database and uh, simultaneously tagging them. So it's, and it's good for our customers. They're getting something free. We also do samples on our website. So we have a free category. So anything, new products that we're bringing in, we stick them in there for free straight away so that uh, people always feel as though they're getting something back from us and and we're not just always taking. I love that. I think that's really it's just it's just clever marketing, but it's also just good business principles. As yeah, well. yeah, I love it. Uh, is there anything that you wish you'd known? And we've kind of covered a few bits and pieces, but is there anything you wish you'd known in the earlier days of your business that would have made the scaling and expanding now easier? So much, but we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> like the most valuable. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so. Um, Look, first of all, when you've got a food product, you really have to drill down all your costs. So every single ingredient or or if you're manufacturing the product, like for our biscuits, what's it going to cost? You know, what does it cost for someone to, to bake the product, put it into a packet, to label the product, to put it in a box for a sticker, for a packet, everything. Everything has to go on that spreadsheet and then you really look tap into someone who knows your numbers numbers is is something I've really had to work on getting to be my friend I'm finally to a point after all these years I go oh I just want to know the numbers and I want to know what it's like as before I just I I almost sort of was really anxious about the numbers Uh, so really get that better down to start with get your 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 overheads in there as a percentage that you're adding to that and then once you know your numbers are right I guess the inner feeling of contentment that you've you've got that sorted 
right, now I can go out and market the thing and know that I'm actually earning some profit. I'm doing this for a reason because we have to be able to feed ourselves, feed our families, pay the mortgage, whatever it is, and you you are doing it for that. Everybody's going out to work or run a business. You have to be profitable because if you are, then you can start employing people and giving back. So knowing your numbers, getting that spreadsheet really laid down is my number one tip. Do a business plan. So these are the really the boring things, but I I really uh, engaged someone in 2015 to do a really good business plan. It cost me a lot at the, t- the moment um, at that time and I struggled with that. But I I just, that is a live document for me. I change it every year. I go back to it every quarter and go, right, where are we in our goals? Because you're actually forcing yourself to write down your goals for the year, have a look at what you did last year. Did you meet them or not, or maybe partially, and reevaluate and go forward. So do that. Um, and also, I think personal development. So that's my guess, my third big one is. Owning your own business is a mind game. (laughs) And for me, I really needed to tap into personal development so that I could control. For me, I have a lot of people who are trolls who who get onto me online and threaten me. And um, and, and look, often I, I take it really personally. And I had to the only person who can control me and the way I react to things is me. So once I came to that realisation and started working on that and reading books around that that would help me, um, thinking positively, you know, not trying to, you know, take on the negative aspect if someone said no to me because I'm I'm a bit like Kentucky Fried Chicken. I have had a lot of no's in my <laughs> in over my time, but it's not personal, it's business, you know. So every no I go, oh, so how could I do that differently? How could I talk to people differently? What do I need to learn out of this? So once you get through that, oh, the 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 flow becomes almost you feel as though you're in an out-of-body experience because business becomes a lot easier, your day-to-day tasks become a lot easier. Um, So that's that's sort of the top three big ones, I think, that I could suggest to people starting out. I think that's very, very good advice. Um, I know we have a lot of interest from our listeners with the influencers and you touched on a little bit, uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about that experience, how you went from them liking and tagging you in posts to it kind of becoming a little bit more of your your marketing strategy? Yeah, well, um, I was very Facebook orientated, I guess. I found that really, um, really easy to get a handle on. And and I guess for us who have been in business and older older people that I'm not old, but, you know, older in business. So, I, you know, social, yeah, social media was really something that I found I resisted at the beginning and I don't know why. But uh, anyway, once you're into that, it's it was just um, I went, oh, I think that we have some really 
beautiful images to share. We just uh, engaged a food photographer to help us make make us look good. <laughs> and uh, and all of a sudden I went, oh, wow, we need to be on Instagram. So this is where things changed. So on Instagram it was a whole new world of being able to easily tag and 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 getting to know hashtags and what that meant and it really was a stumble for us uh how people started to tag us in 2018 i was invited to uh with Jules Lund who owns Tribe so that was the business model that came together and joined influencers with brands like us and we were identified as a brand that was out in the market we looked good we were a growing brand Uh, and we were invited down to Sydney and they did a case study on us and presented the results at a food show and really that was opened my eyes to the strength of what influencers could do for a brand I mean now I just have so much respect for what influencers do and we have now agreements with influencers and um, some are paid, some aren't paid, some are via product. You know, so it's, uh, it's absolute gold if you can get the right people. So once again, you do have to make sure that they have your target market because at the beginning I think we were jumping on board blindly and somebody would say, can I share your brand? I have X amount of thousand followers. <laughs> and so you'd send product off to them and all of a sudden there was nothing. They were really their followers were bought followers. Yep. you know so you do have to be careful and now we've got agreements and expectations in place and we can really bet we only just had one a few weeks ago that we vetted off because she wouldn't communicate outside of Instagram so we asked them to to send us their email con- full contact details and an address so that we can make sure that they're real um, look at their 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 Instagram page and the types of things that they follow. So don't jump in straight away, really. Uh, Have a look at what they are actually doing because I found with that tribe one there was people who had 100,000 followers and I really got better engagement I saw for our brand than the people who had maybe three, two to 5,000 followers. Yeah. So that was interesting. The challenge with influencers is really finding the right ones for your brand. Yeah. And there are yeah. some brands that need the influencers with the hundred to 500,000 followers. Yes. Um, but they, those accounts are still very specific because it is so easy to buy, manufacture. Like a couple of years ago, it was so easy to get followers. And yes, they're not legitimate. Like you really, there's a big difference between finding influencers that have a following and finding influencers that actually influence purchase. Yes. And I think yeah. that distinction is really important. Yeah, and also on you've got to um, one of the things that I did uh, on our Facebook page, which was been uh, we use a little company called Post Planner. So I don't know whether you've heard of that one, but we use it to reshare um, quotes, uh, inspirational things 
popular posts that have gone with so in that particular platform you can follow your your um influence or follow people like say David Wolf who has the same sort of customer that we're looking for so you follow them you can see what posts go up around the world from those guys that are, are really popular and you can actually reshare them and now that strategy is purely for engagement on Facebook. So get to know what platform algorithms, what they, what the algorithm rhythms that that platform likes, and then just make use of that. So we do our posts every day from our own brand, and we have sort of a couple of weeks of format where we maybe do an educational post, we might promote a product, we have special of the month, what's my article. So all those sort of things we sort of rotate on a fortnightly basis in a big spreadsheet that we have. But the the ones with Post Planner are purely just, once again, it's that giving back, Dana, giving back to people who are following you, things that, that they they might get. So somebody might, you know, there might be fun posts or something that's inspirational to someone they might just needed to hear that that day. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's really worked for us on that platform. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything yep. else, any words of wisdom that you would like to share before we get to our last few questions? Um. One of my mantras, I guess, along the way um, has been why strive to be normal when you were born to stand out? So for me and my brand and my journey has been very difficult. I had a big vision at the beginning and it's been and and that has actually been a huge challenge. I think I have actually hit myself at times like smacked myself in there and gone what the hell were you thinking like why and and I guess it's just that old thing you know that Simon Sinek says you've got to have your why and I did have a big why I did have a big vision and you know one of those visions was to be the first to bring this product in to Australia um, and we have a farmer then we're just about to do that which is super exciting because in 2009 I put it on my goal board 2020 would be the year yep. 2020's tried to kill us all <laughs> mind you and all those goals have been set back but it looks as though it's going to happen and once you set those things in place and you let them go and just let them happen um, it's it's amazing. It's actually a little bit of magic that happens. So when you start your journey, really know it's corny and but you just do have to know your why because um, you'll want to give up. You might even smack yourself in the head like me a number of times along <laughs> the way. That. <laughs> no, I don't. But, you know, I just you've just got to know why you're doing it and then sit back and look for what the next step is that you're going to take. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. Um, so we just have a last couple of questions that we ask everyone. Uh, do you have any strategies, routines or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track? Uh, I, have, um, I have a vision board. I have been a re- little bit resistant to that process along the way, but um, 
I've actually set it right beside my bed. So I look out my window and that board's right there. So I actually wake up half an hour to when I want to get up. I'm not a great morning person. And so I've give I, I set the alarm, I start to wake up, I start to visualize. So I'm this is part of what I was talking about, the personal development stuff that worked for me. I think about what I'm going to do for the day. I'm visualizing what my goal is, what my big, scary, stupid, how the hell am I ever going to do that goal? And how I'd feel about it, how I would actually feel when I achieve that goal. And then I just let that go. Um, I actually love doing gratitude. So I think about the day. I'm not a big writer and I know they say write everything down, but I'm a big believer in doing things that work for you and this works for me. I wake up and you could say that I pray or I just give gratitude for who I've met, who's helping me, who I've connected with, the staff that I have, my kids, my family, whatever it is that just comes to mind. So that's my morning routine Um, and I, I really try to end the day thinking about those things as well and trying to read a few pages of a book. As I said, I'm not a great reader or writer. I'm more I like audios, so I love the podcasts, I love Audible, that type of thing. So, look, there's so many things that are available to you. People will say to you, you have to eat keto or you have to exercise 10 times a day or whatever it is. Five o'clock in the morning. Yes, oh, my God. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. you got to do what all these people do. Look, you've got to do what's right for you, but you do have to do something. (laughs) You can't do... Nothing like you know, all day is not going to make you successful. That's that's right. So, you know, the whole thing when we that all blew up about the secret, you know, and the secret is that you have to do something, you have to do that what that works for you. So, find out what it was by all means, try keto, by all means you know, wake up early or don't wake up early. I'm never going to be a wake up at five o'clock in the morning person. I'm a sh- uh, No. The only time I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning is if I'm getting on a plane to go somewhere exciting. I know. I know. <laughs> I just, I really struggle with it and go, well, why am I struggling and beating myself up? Because you're telling me that that's the way I've got to be. Uh, sorry, it doesn't work for me. But no. yes, I know I have to read X amount of time, but, you know, I'm finding I'm really time for Poor, I love going for a walk, sign up for Audible and um, happy days. Lovely. <laughs> On that note, do you have a favourite business book, whether you've read it or listened to it? Yes. So I have got a book in my cupboard that I bought because sometimes the really good ones you need to have them because when what I do find the weakness with Audible is that, you know, there's that thing, oh, oh, that was a good thing. What did he say again? Stop rewind you know you can't just go back and read the last no or highlight it or go back to it so sometimes I do get a book and one of the one of the real challenges that I have and I still might have actually and I work on it all the time is overwhelm you know there's so much coming at me and so I loved the book eat that frog such a good book I know. So I've not heard anyone mention that book in years, but it is such a good book. 
Yeah, and and look, I think with so many different platforms, so much communication, people demanding your time, like I lay you lay out what you have to do in a week and then somebody comes in and goes, oh, I need you to send all this off or I need these figures or I need this data or reports and I just go, yeah, well, yep, no worries. When can you do it? Oh, maybe tomorrow <laughs> or the next day. Like I just am not getting pushed around anymore to go, yeah, I'll have that. And then they're taking a piece of me ultimately. They're taking a piece of me yeah. because it's not fair. Um, and, and, and once again, I can only control me. I can't control anyone else. So, hmm. no. so that was my favourite one. And, look, with the personal development, think and grow rich I'll throw in there. It's a toughie and you've got to hammer through it a bit, but it's a book that you just would read a chapter at a time and you'd go back and go, right, what, what's the next step I really need to look at and how can I keep working on myself? Yeah. I think they're, they're great book recommendations. Uh, do you have yeah. a favourite podcast? Um, I do love um, and my, I don't know whether this is going to sound weird, but I do love The Mentor. I do love that podcast that, uh, what's his name? I can't even, I've just gone out of my I head now. What are you talking about? Um, Mark Burris. Mm. It's Mark Burris from, um, he's got a podcast called The Mentor and he had the show, you know, one of the TV shows and helps people. He did Yellow Brick Road or, you know, one ah, of those I know the one. financing yeah. ones. Anyway, look. Um, he's got a really nice voice. <laughs> it helps when they have a nice voice. Oh, it does help when they've got a nice voice. But he gets some really cool people on, really successful um, people on there and new brands, older brands, and and I think he really digs down into people's story. I love hearing people's story. It's almost like in that hour that you're listening, you get their whole our background and their struggles and we've actually I've actually reached out to a couple of um, people that he's had on to his um, podcast before a guy in Brisbane who sells biscuits to companies or they has have healthy snacks you know like a subscription box yeah and he's going to take our biscuits on so Lovely. you know I said and of course I could get through the gatekeeper because I said oh I heard um I heard him talking on the on the podcast and they went which one and I went well <laughs> the mentor <laughs> so so that was really cool because it opened the conversation and I got cut past the gatekeeper and actually got to talk to the owner so that was really cool <laughs> incredible um if yeah. people want to visit you come buy some oats what's the best way for them to get in contact so them? yeah so go to gf oats dot com dot au and uh, jump onto that site you'll find uh, we've got a great outline of our story our compliance stuff that we do um, testing that we do for people to show you that you can trust us as a brand and then of course to our shop so um, our shop has got all the, our different products both retail products and our bulk so the customer that comes to us generally need wants to buy bulk so you may have um bought a retail packet like in a 500 gram 
and then you realize how great the product is and you're addicted and the whole family's eating it and you need biscuits. <laughs> so you go to the website and uh, you can put, that's right. But, but we have a lot of different things on our website that we have on site. So I've, I've actually been able to link with local artisans and I've got some oat soaps, some oat milk soaps, um, spurtles, coconut bowls, so a few different things that local, you know, businesses because I really would like to um, support people locally um, and smaller businesses get going and that's my way, I guess, another way of trying to give back is... Uh, is supporting local people who can make some products out of my oats. And I don't necessarily, I may necessarily never take them commercially to a shop, but it's a nice little thing for people to be able to buy online. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the 15th episode of the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Don't forget, we load all of the links and show notes onto our website and you can find everything at www.brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash show notes forward slash episode 15. The link will also be available in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening.